Well, the stolen generations, of course, is a story we are now familiar with in Australia, especially after the apology to the stolen generations in 2007. But not so much in the United States. There, those stories have been silenced. Now, a new federal government report is shining a light into what were generations of Indigenous children, Native American children, taken from their families and sent to boarding schools where they were meant to be assimilated. It left an awful toll and many, perhaps tens of thousands of them, may have died in those institutions. Native American woman Judy Goshkabosh is Executive Director of the Nebraska Commission on Indian Affairs and whose family has been directly affected by this policy. Well, the boarding school system was uh, really an eradication of culture, and they took these children, uh, separated them from their families, took them far away from home. It was a cheaper way of getting access to all of our lands rather than fighting expensive wars. So I often say that the children were the last little soldiers that they used to fight the war, to conquer, and mm. get access to all of our lands. So the day of the children, it was military. Half the day they learned the three R's, reading, writing, and arithmetic, and half the day they were put into labor. They had to cook all the food. The schools weren't funded fully with enough food for everyone, but the children sewed their clothing. They weren't allowed to speak their language. Mm. Anything they knew was considered negative, bad, well, so was they that, were reprogrammed. There was that awful phrase, and I, I shudder to even repeat it, but this is coming out of the early 19th century, to kill the Indian and save the man. I look at images of children in these boarding schools wearing Western clothing, having their hair cut short. You talk about language being banned. Are we talking about what, in modern-day parlance, we would call a genocide? Yes, it was a genocide. That is the truth, the word that we must say. And words matter, and that is what happened to these children, what happened to my mother and my two aunties that went to the Genoa Indian School. Uh, fortunately, they survived. Mm. They were really strong and able to survive, but at what expense? I, I'm aware of the trauma um, of even talking about something like this because it is something I share in my own family where members of my family as an Indigenous family were taken from from their parents and sent to similar institutions. So I, I'm aware of that when I ask you this question. And please, if you don't want to go there, just just tell me. But what impact did it have on your mother and your relationship with your mother? Because we know that these things are intergenerational. I think uh, the impact on my mother was that she was very, well, they brainwashed her and they you know, she sent a lot of messages to me about what was expected, what white people wanted us to be and look like. And in some ways, they were successful in assimilating her. And then she passed those things on to me. Perfectionism. We always had to be better and do mm. better. We didn't get a pass. And however, my mother went back home to after she got out of the school and she was a tribal leader, elected Indian tribal leader, which white women in America weren't. So they did not totally succeed with my mother. Mm. She didn't continue to speak her language. My grandmother went to the Santee Normal Training School, another one of those boarding schools on the Santee Reservation, which was a day school. So she retained her language and more so than my mother. But 
that's just an example of simultaneously they lost a lot, but they also learned coping skills and they learned how to live in two worlds. And I think that's what I'm grateful for, that my mother learned as Indian people in America today, even we have to learn all of the rules of the laws of mainstream society, but they don't know our treaty rights and mm. uh, what we are as Indian people, as first people. It's a difficult world. Tell us about your role now, because you are directly involved in efforts to try to uh, discover what had happened and in the most tragic cases, of course, to return the remains of children who died in these institutions to their families, to their tribal homelands. Tell us about the role that you play now, Judy. Well, I've been in my position as the director of the Indian Commission for 27 years, and I always are led with, I am a survivor descendant of the Genoa Indian School. My mother went to that school. But other people really didn't know about it then, and still today, so many don't. So today, with what happened last summer, and uh, us having in America the first Native American Interior Secretary. Deb Holland. Deb Holland, who started this initiative here in America, in my job, I am responsible for the return of human remains under the NAGPRA, the federal law, as well as state laws. So uh, I wear many hats, and in my heart of hearts, uh, I'm doing this to honor my my descendants, my mother, and all those people. But I also have an obligation to all those children that died at the school and those that went to the school. So I've been involved with sending out the letters to all of the tribal nations. Genoa was open from 1884 to 1934, and that was a 50-year time frame. And we had... um, thousands, 20,000 students that went to that school from over 40 tribal nations. Mm. So we know that there were over 80 children that died there. December 23rd, I sent a letter to all the tribes that we know the names of the children, what they died of, but we just don't know where they're buried. And that's what we're doing now. I'm going over to Genoa. I'm driving over there and we are using dogs to search Mm. for the fourth time. So some of these boarding schools, like Stewart Boarding School in Nevada, they have the children's graves out outside that say girl number one, girl number two, but they don't know the names or cause of is, death. They don't have the records. It is so impersonal when you use those numbers, isn't it? Girl number one, girl number two. And the federal study of Native American boarding schools has found that at the moment around 500 deaths, but of course chillingly, they believe it could be in the tens of thousands. Is that right? That's what they've said. But, you know, I've talked to some of my colleagues, Dr. James Riding and a professor at ASU, Pawnee professor, historian, and we don't believe that it's going to be that high because that's the numbers of children that went to the school. It could be thousands, but I don't know that it will be tens of thousands. I think they always undercounted. The Indian agents and the superintendents of the schools did not want to reveal how many children actually died. And many children were sent home on trains and uh, with a death sentence of tuberculosis. And we don't know for sure where they ended up. Did they die? When the schools were closed, the records were strewn all over the United States of America. The federal government didn't do a very good uh, job of tracking us. 
you know, we, we are more than a number. We have names, say my mm. name, say the names of those children. But I often say this is similar to what happened with the Germ- Germans and the Jewish people. You know, th- these children were given a number. Mm. Um, at the end of the day, we were throwaway people and um, America didn't care about us. But today now... We need to find our children and we need to honor them in death as they should have been honored in life and do something to uh, help the descendants, those that have suffered, that have mental um, health challenges, intergenerational trauma. I'm sure I have some of that myself that I've tried to not Mm. look at what happened to my mother in a negative way. I've tried to take the best and learn from her coping skills, her survival skills, her resilience. And I'm trying to channel that and use that to help all of our people now. So I feel really honored. This Mm. is a sacred part of my work that I'm committed to. And I am a grandmother. I have five little grandchildren. And I feel like this is um, something that we must do. I wanted to ask you about that just finally uh, in Australia and so much of what you were saying, um, giving numbers to people, which happened to people in my own family. We have had a process of apology. Uh, There have been apologies to what was known as the stolen generations here. And there is a process of reconciliation, albeit one that is still not moving quickly enough. Most Indigenous people would agree. But what are you seeking from this? Should there be a national apology and atonement a reconciliation, compensation, where does this end, even if I can use that word? I don't think it can end. I think it has to be ongoing and it has to honor treaty obligations. I think it's respecting tribal sovereignty. Having an apology, that's wonderful. Words do matter, but apologies can be hollow if they don't come with actions. So I think actions mean that the federal government needs to address funding for revitalization of language and culture to deal with mental health uh, challenges that people are suffering from. Secretary Holland says she's going to go out on this journey around the United States and get firsthand stories. And, And I really do think that we need to have more research on case studies of our people to see what the impact is and then determine how much uh, the federal government needs to commit financially. Right now it's $7 million. That's insignificant. It's better than nothing, but that surely only scratches the surface. If you think of the value of this whole uh, Mother Earth homeland, all the lands that were ceded, and the children, what is the value of the children's lives, those children that died there, and those that survived, that went home, that were brutalized, that were sexually abused, that you know were stripped of their identity and tried to make into these cookie cutter Americans. You know, it's uh, worth more than just uh, an apology. Mm. Judy Gashkabash, um, thank you so much for sharing your time with us as we enter into Reconciliation Week in Australia. I want to also pay respects to people who have been members of the Stolen Generations here and to your people in the United States as well. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, Stan. We wish you all peace and reconciliation success. Judy Gashkabash there, and if you want to see more and hear more of Judy's story, you can see that on my report on Foreign Correspondent on ABC Television or on iView. If that interview has caused any problems for you, any issues, any trauma, of course you can contact Lifeline on 13 11 14 or any other support services. 
ABC RN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.